Welcome back to the Ziegler show. This is episode 391. And today I bring you John Eldridge, whose new movie, a story worth living goes live in theaters for a one day only viewing May 19th, 2016. Go to a storyfilm.com to see where it will be near you. The movie is an adventure story about the adventure of living. This show with John digs into the vital necessity for all of us to understand and fully embrace our own stories and live epic lives. what you are and where you are because of what's gone into your mind. You can change what you are. You can change where you are by changing what goes into your mind. You cannot become what you need to be by remaining what you are. If you can't take a huge step to begin with, take as big a step as you can, but take it now. That's the key. Take it now. You can have everything in life you want if you'll just help enough other people get what they want. Today's a brand new day, and it's yours. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, where we continue the legacy of Zig Ziggler, the world's foremost authority on the fuel for everything we pursue, motivation, inspiration, and a confident self-image. We apply that fuel to leadership, personal growth, sales, faith, family, and success. Our foundational purpose is to inspire true performance, and this is the goal of every show. I'm Kevin Miller, show host and devoted evangelist of inspiration. Tom Ziegler, Zig's son and the CEO of Ziegler, and I come to you every week to discuss Zig's teachings and bring you the absolute best of today's most inspirational leaders. We get down to the roots of what will absolutely expand human potential, your potential, to it. This show is brought to you in part by Amazon Kindle. Great spellers come from great readers, and that's why Kindle is the proud presenting sponsor of the 2016 Scripps National Spelling Bee. A single-purpose Kindle e-reader holds thousands of books, ensuring young readers always have a book with them. Features like WordWise support comprehension and vocabulary development, while Kindle Free Time awards achievement badges for those reaching reading milestones. To learn more about the ways Kindle inspires a child's emerging love of reading, visit amazon.com slash Kindle for kids. So folks, I just completed an incredibly convicting interview with John Eldridge discussing his new movie, a story worth living uh, that hits theaters again for one night only May 19th, 2016, uh, go quickly now to astoryfilm.com to find where it's showing near you. Now, if you hear the show after the fact, go to Ransomed Heart, R-A-N-S-O-M-E-D, ransomedheart.com and see how and when you can catch the film. I, I was greatly impacted by John Eldridge's book, Wild at Heart, over 15 years ago. It's become a spiritual classic to every degree. I've attended some of his events and even some small group gatherings at his ransomed heart offices as he lives and works just down the mountain from me. If you're not familiar with John Eldridge, he's an author, a counselor, a teacher. His books, including Wild at Heart, have sold more than 8 million copies. His latest book is Moving Mountains, Praying with Passion, Confidence, and Authority. John wrote and directed this documentary, A Story Worth Living, which follows Eldridge and companions, uh, which his companions include uh, his three sons and one of my close friends. Uh, but it includes them. It's on an eight-day motorcycle trip. They're riding BMW GS 800s off-road through the backcountry uh, of Colorado. Uh, their adventures and conversations get to the heart of what it means to live one's story. John is the president of Ransomed Heart Ministries in Colorado Springs, Colorado, a ministry devoted to helping people discover the true heart of God. It has become a grassroots phenomenon with millions of followers. Again, you can get all the information you want at ransomedheart.com. And folks, if you get value from this discussion that John and I have uh, in just a moment about story, 
please leave a review on iTunes that will inspire others to listen in. I'm actually going to get in the habit of asking for feedback on particular shows, especially the ones where we do interviews. Our interviewees often ask, Hey, how did the interview go? Or, you know, how did the show go? How was it received? And of course we can show them how many tens of thousands of downloads it it got, but it doesn't specifically testify to them and their topic and the value that they brought to the show. So uh, if after listening to this and on any of about any of our past shows, if you would go to iTunes and leave a rating and a review and mention how the show with in this case, John, but with other shows, the interviewee interviewer or interviewee, how it benefited you. Uh, again, it's a test. It blesses them and it really gives others an, a more of an insight into the show as well. Um, but it, for those for, the, for this show with John Eldridge, we'll share it with him. He'll be incredibly blessed. Um, now, hey, before I dive in with John, I want to thank another proud supporter of this Ziggler show. Concur. Concur provides cloud-based travel expense and invoice services for business. If you're a business leader with employees, tracking expenses can be more than a chore. Concur lets employees create, submit, and approve expenses, plus manage invoices from any device anywhere in the world. Concur gives you accurate, consolidated spending data instantly, giving you the visibility and insight to drive cost savings. You also get happier employees, more productivity, and the data you need, all leading to a healthier bottom line. Expense, travel, invoice. Learn more at concur.com slash Ziggler. Okay, folks, now I'll proudly bring you this incredible interview with John Eldridge. Here we go. Well, John, we have never officially really met or talked, but we have history. Uh, you just don't know about it. Uh, I, of course, read your blockbuster book, My uh, Our Wild at Heart, probably 15 years ago. It might have been more incredibly confirming to the journey I was on at that point. Uh, really inspiring. It heavily impacted my wife somewhat for me, but uh, really for our our only child at the time, my oldest son now, who is uh, 21, I think he might've been, yeah, four or five at the time, but we lived in Franklin, Tennessee at that time, 12 years ago, moved to Woodland Park, Colorado. I've been neighbors and, and good buddies with John Dale, uh, one of the main characters in your movie. Uh, and then also with Justin Lucas Savage, who is helping uh, promote your movie. I went to one of your boot camps. I believe it was two years ago with one of my best friends. It was, it was uh, immense. And I've attended, I think, five or six of your gatherings, the evening gatherings at Ransomed Heart with uh, my oldest son, the one that I referenced just a minute ago. And then last year, nope, two years ago, my wife attended Captivating, led by your bride, and had a life-changing car wreck on the way home. But all that to say, uh, thank you. It's an incredible treat to have you here and bring you to the Ziegler audience. Oh, man, I'm honored to be, I'm honored to be with you and on the show and my goodness, I remember that car wreck. Yeah, yeah, it was, uh, it was significant. It was. I'm glad everybody's okay. Uh, okay, and she actually says it's one of the best things that happened to her. So there's a story in and of itself. Uh, yes. There's always a story. Very redemptive story. Well, I'm going to dive in as we're going to talk about this movie that I just led everyone in understanding what the premise is. Now, Tom Ziegler wanted to be here, uh, but he is instead sending in a recording because he says, I've got a story about John. I've got to share. So I'll send that to you. He's sending it to us. We're going to put it here, insert it in the show, folks. So that's what you're going to hear right about now in the recording. Hey, Kevin, I'm so excited that we have John Eldridge on the show. I wish I could have been there live, but I wanted to share a life-changing story for me that has to do with you, John. And I, I don't know if I've had the privilege of sharing this with you before, uh, but this is what I want to say. And by the way, we've got a couple of uh, John Eldridge fans in our midst right now. We've got David Wright. David is one of our Ziegler Legacy certified trainers and the uh, founder and writer of our coaching program here at Ziegler. David, say hello. Hello. All right. And then we've got John Rouse. Uh, John goes, he says, Rouse in the house, man. So John's here. John is coming through our certification program. He's also, uh, we're doing a full day with John on executive coaching right now. So John, say hello. Hello. 
so I've kind of got them both speechless because we were just talking about uh, uh, John Eldridge and the stories and wild at heart and the meaning, but I wanted to share this with you. When I was 12 years old, uh, I loved bicycles, BMX bicycles to be exact, the dirt bikes. And I lived all day for that. We would get up at uh, sunrise and we would ride bikes and I had to be home at dark 30. And that year when I was 12, dad wanted to get me the best Christmas gift that he could. And he traveled a lot. And, and uh, so whatever time we had, he wanted to make special. And he said, son, what do you want? I said, I want a new bike. So dad and I uh, arranged the time and we went down to the Richardson Bike Mark. And when we went into the Richardson Bike Mark, and by the way, you can read this whole story in the book, Secrets of Clothes and the Sale, because it's in there. We go into the Richardson Bike Mark and there's a, a lady in front of us. She was a grandmotherly type lady and she had her granddaughter in there who was probably five or six years old. And the manager looked at us and said, I'll be with you in just a minute. I'm helping this lady right here. And the little girl was riding a bike around the bicycle shop. Yeah, I'm sure you've seen that before. And, and uh, the grandmother looked at the manager and said, yeah, I want to buy this bike right here for my granddaughter. And she pointed to a bike and the manager said, oh, that's a great bike. Let's call your granddaughter over here and measure her for it. So the little girl came over. She got on the bike, but it was too big. And her feet didn't really touch the pedals and she could barely reach the handlebars. And the manager looked at the lady and said, ma'am, this is a great bike. The frame is just too big. It wouldn't be safe. But here's the good news. The bike she was riding around the store, it's the same type of bike as this, same manufacturer, everything. The only difference is the frame is a little bit smaller. Why don't you get this bike for her? And the grandmother looked at the man and said, no, I want this bike. It's the same color. It's the same size as the little neighbor girl next door. I want her to have this bike. And the manager said, I understand that, but I just want you to know it's the same quality. It's the same bike, but it's the right size. She's going to have more fun riding it. She can ride it right away. And the lady said, no, I want to get this bike right here. And the man said, well, ma'am, I, I, you know, I just wouldn't recommend it. It wouldn't be safe. And she said, well, it's the bike that I want. I want to get it. And the man looked at her and said, ma'am, I can't sell you this bike. I wouldn't be able to sleep at night knowing that your granddaughter could be in an unsafe situation. If she had to stop quickly before she went into the street, she might not be able to. I'd love to sell you this bike, but in good conscience, I can't. And at that moment, the grandmother left in a huff. She took her granddaughter out and just left. Well, that book, that story ended up in the book, Secrets of Clothes and the Sale. And the story was about integrity and about how when you do things with integrity, everything changes. But that's not the whole story. So let's fast forward 30 years later. I'm driving down the highway, and John, I'm listening to one of your programs on CD. And in there, you talk about how God knows a father's heart. And I had an instant flashback to the bicycle shop when I was 12 years old. And I realized that there was no way that my father would ever have confidence in buying me the right bike unless he experienced what he experienced. Because as soon as that grandmother walked out and the manager said, can I help you? My dad said to the manager, get my son whatever he wants. And the reason he said that is because he knew that he could trust this man to provide me with a bike that would be right for me. And driving down the road, tears filled my eyes because I realized that in the moment of time in all of history, God orchestrated it and organized it, not for me, but so that my father would know without a doubt that his father knew his heart. John, I want to thank you for that. Thank you for being on the Ziegler Show podcast and I wish I could have been here live with you, but our schedules didn't match up. But I hope you enjoy that story and know that you are changing lives. And whatever we can do to help you, we're 100% behind you. Thanks again for being on The Ziggler Show. Okay, well, John, your clan sent me a sneak peek of your movie because, of course, it's coming out the one day showing just here in a few days, May 19th. Uh, but they sent it to me uh, to watch. 
and, which I did just a couple nights ago. I had seen the trailer, but I watched it in entirety. And story, uh, one of my favorite topics. I've given away cases of Donald Miller's book, A Million Miles in a Thousand Years. I love the way that he uh, anchored us to the truth of story. But your movie just got me fired up again. It's all I've been talking about for the days since I watched it. So I want to start off at kind of a 10,000-foot view and ask you just why. There's so many facets that you deal in with you know, humanity and your own mission uh, and the need and truth to give focus and attention to, to so many things. But what drove you to this, a devotion to saying, I'm going to lift up the dire importance of story at this time in your life? So my background is in counseling and uh, for years had a private practice. Um, and it, it's like no matter what the details were, lost without a story always felt like the theme. Hmm. People trying to figure out, you know, their marriage, their kids, trying to figure out their career, loss of dreams, just whatever it was, it felt like everybody was was lost without a story. Like how do I how do I understand my story personally, right? Just tell how me make sense of my own story. But then also, where does my story fit into something bigger? Like, I, I want to be part of something bigger. Feels like the cry of every human heart. And, and uh, that's why he went out to make this film. It kind of does, kind of does both things. It, it sort of dives into helping people understand their story, but it also invites them up into a bigger picture. Okay. Okay. Well, so the narrative of the movie starts right off the bat with everyone's looking for a story worth living. When we give up looking for that story, we give up living and story is how we make sense of our lives. I mean, it's just huge statements. I, again, I love a good story. Um, John, I mean, people have, have uh, they do uh, describe me as a visionary. I'm generally looking forward. And I see a story play out. It's what draws me forward. It's why I love Zig and goals. Uh, but two things stood out for me as I was listening to you here, kind of brought it back to mind for me. And one is, what well, is my own propensity? Two, I, I would say, I would admit, in a good way, I look forward, I see story, and I, I gravitate towards that. Um, I can't think of any epic story, though, that's only forward without a backstory, which in my own journey, it took counseling to draw me back into the relevance of my backstory uh, to have full context and not be dealing with baggage in my ongoing forward story. But in looking at that, it seems like we've got to have both one conceive of that we are in a story, but two, to understand the forward and the backward uh, that's so relevant for our stories that does that ring true. Yeah, that's right on. That's really good. Because a lot of times people people have a hard time chasing their dreams and they don't know why. Um, and usually the reason is somewhere back in their story, right? We took a wound, we took a blow, something happened, something was spoken over us. Yeah. You know, you're the idiot, you'll never make it. Uh, you're stupid, why are you chasing a PhD? Just something was said, something was done, something is back in our own story. And unless we uncover that and deal with that in a healthy way, it keeps part of our heart pinned down. And then we wonder why, why don't I have the courage to like go for it? Or why, why when I do go for it, I can't seem to sustain the momentum, you know, uh, a lot, a lot of times the answers in, in the past. Okay. So I'm just curious. I didn't think about this until just now, as you have walked with an, uh, untold amount of people, uh, maybe primarily guys, but I know both in this perspective, where would you say statistically it falls in regards to people wanting to pursue a story, but where's the biggest lack? Does it generally come from a lack of vision and understanding that they're in a story or are there so often things holding us back, chains, baggage from the past uh, no point in this question other than understanding our own humanity and as a culture that where do you see us fall short mostly? Identity. It's all about identity. It's how you see, it's how you see yourself <clears throat> because you'll never live beyond the way you see yourself. You just can't. And, and, and that takes us back again into your story. Somewhere along the line, your identity got shaped by something, Right. 
and and uh, so here, here's a here's a quick little snapshot. The, making this film was a huge recovery for me of a lost dream. My uh, my graduate degree is in counseling, but my undergrad is in theater. And for <clears throat> during my twenties, I ran a theater company in L.A. and I loved it. I I loved it, and we were really good, and we were successful. And I thought that would be my life. I thought I am I'm going to be here in L.A. and and in the in the theater industry for the rest of my life. And then there was some betrayal and there was some things that happened and we lost our funding and, and some people turned on me. And <clears throat> I walked away from all of that for almost 30 years. Hmm. And, uh, and, and you see like the details of your story, like w shaped who you are as a person. Um, and it shaped your beliefs about what's real and what's possible. And so I, I, I would put it in identity. Um, every, every person's got to sort out who they are and, and what they believe about themselves. Um, also what they believe about the world, uh, because you can't live past that till you face that stuff. Well, you, so in that statement, you'll never live beyond where you see yourself. What I hear you saying then too, is you'll never even live beyond how you perceive reality, uh, the world, your current circumstances. Totally. Okay. Totally. Yeah. Right. Because, <clears throat> um, a lot of people come to life with a victim mentality. Why did this happen to me? Mm -hmm. How come I didn't grow up with a dad? How come my parents divorced when I was seven? How come, you know, a lot of that. Right. And, and if you have a victim mentality, then that becomes the lens through which you see the world and your experiences. Um, like part of my story is growing up in an alcoholic home mm -hmm. um, and, and pretty deep abandonment. And so when I lost that theater company, it just felt like more affirmation of the same old script. Right. Nothing ever works out. You're on your own. Uh, and it wasn't until I. I looked at that and, and healed from it that I was able to say, no, I want to make this film. Like I want to go for it. I, I love doing this and I'm great at it. Um, and, and it, it gave me the courage to recover the dream. Yeah. Okay. So again, I've got, there's so many, so much personal relevance to what you're talking about here with myself. It was through some incredible counsel uh, with a close friend, Jonathan pools, his name. And he led me through, Tom Patterson's life plan. Um, he's also done some work Jonathan has with Dan Allender, one of the other primary characters in your movie, uh, but it helped me to graph my life out as an actual story. And, and just, again, just the monumental conception of, wait, I, I am in a story that's so daunting and uh, in, in a good way too. I mean, it's exciting, but it's also daunting to view that. I mean, the exercise and paradigm of looking at my life as a story was dramatic in uh, coming to grips with the gravity of it. I just realized I'm not a spectator. Uh, I don't have that. I, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't be just a spectator. I am a character in a story, one that either matters or not one that has value or not one that is worthy or not. So on that, as people are hearing this right now, many for the first time, uh, of course, folks go see the movie May 19th, go check it out. Uh, but how do you direct people? Where do you start? Where's step one to I say, you're telling me I'm in a story. Where do I begin to conceive of that and then begin to take responsibility in some sense and start saying, no, I've got to pay it. I got to intentionally craft this thing today, tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah. Let me give you a couple fun places to start. Um, be Norman McLean, the, uh, the famous writer, um, river runs through it. Mm -hmm. Um, taught literature for years, <clears throat> he said this. He said, sometimes the most helpful thing is to find a story that tells you about your story. Hmm. And, and folks, this is going to be a joy and a lot of fun. Um, make a list of the movies you love hmm. and ask yourself why you love them. Because they're very unique to you. Like if you get, if you get 10 people in a room and you ask them their favorite movie, you're going to get 10 different answers. You know, for one guy, it's Braveheart. And for somebody else, it's uh, Shawshank Redemption. And 
somebody else says, you know, Schindler's list and, you know, then somebody else names, you know, 12 angry men. Uh, The thing is, is the stories that you love, there's a reason you love them. And it's because they're telling you about your own story. This is very, very helpful. And it's very fun to do. It's a fun exercise. You make a list of the movies you love. and And then you say, who do you want to be? Who's the character that you want to be in that story? Because there's something in your heart that's resonating with them, right? You don't want to be Luke Skywalker. You want to be Han Solo. Well, why is that, right? You, you don't want to be Robert the Bruce. You want to be William Wallace. Well, why is that, right? You, you want to be, you know, Elizabeth Barrett, or you want to be, you know, on and on the examples go. There are clues in there to your hopes, your dreams, and even your identity. Well, I want to I want to live with courage and I want to help set other people free. Well, that is a huge piece of information. For somebody else, it's no, I really want to bring beauty to the world. That is a huge piece of information. So, find find a story that helps you understand your story by starting with a list of the movies you love and who you want to be. Who's the character you want to be? Okay, so to help people's perspective, can I ask you of a movie and your uh, that you relate to and the character and why? Oh yeah, it's Braveheart. It's William Wallace, and and it took me a long time to admit that because this can be this can feel a little embarrassing because you're actually revealing something really really close to your heart, um, and you're going to feel a little shy about telling anybody about this because it's so close to who you are. Um. But as I began to put my story together, um, what I care about is people getting free. That's what I care about. I care about people being set free from the things that keep them held hostage. And, and I, I, love, I love courage um, and, and I'm willing to fight for it. And so I look at those qualities of Wallace and it's a true story, right? It's based on an actual historical character. And, and uh, Wallace is a very interesting guy. He was actually in seminary uh, when he received this passion to set Scotland free from an evil oppressor. I mean, Longshanks, Edward III was a vicious king, uh, king of England. And, and so William Wallace gets this courage to lead his people to freedom. And that spoke really deeply to what I want my life to be about. As we discuss story, it's relevant to pause a moment and showcase a supporter of this Ziegler show, Amazon Kindle. Great spellers come from great readers. That's why Kindle's the proud presenting sponsor of the 2016 Scripps National Spelling Bee. A Kindle e-reader is a great way to encourage a child's emerging love for reading, especially as they begin to read chapter books independently. And boy, don't I know that. I've got seven kids, and reading was one of the best benefits to their life, their imagination, and to their overall well-being. Uh, It's amazing. So this lightweight Kindle e-reader, it's perfect for young readers. Kids can bring thousands of books with them wherever they go. You don't have to worry about weighing down their backpack or, in my kid's case, leaving them somewhere and losing the book. A single-purpose Kindle e-reader is designed for reading only and means zero distractions for kids. No video games or apps. Kindle also supports comprehension and vocabulary development. Words looked up on Kindle are automatically turned into flashcards for future review and learning. With WordWise, short and simple definitions automatically appear above difficult words to improve comprehension. And with Kindle Free Time, parents can create personalized profiles for kids and give kids access to titles from the parents' collection of books. A progress report keeps parents updated on their child's reading habits. Learn more about the ways Kindle inspires a child's love of reading by visiting Amazon.com. Kindle for kids, amazon.com slash Kindle for kids. So in that aspect, uh, well, one of the quotes again from your movie, and you're talking about epic movies, epic characters, and you said the human heart, I think this is your quote, the human heart is made for an epic story. So I'm a big words guy. I know the word epic, but I, I like to dig into things. So I looked it up and it, and one of the primary definitions is the deeds and adventures of heroic or legendary figures. 
And when you say, I know that that can be uh, hard for people to grasp onto as well, because they may not feel that they are heroic. They are not legendary. And I'm pained when people discount a truth like, like this that you're talking about here. And so I'm going to ask you in the, in the frame set of Zig's quote, God don't make no junk, you know, that how can we help us embrace the opportunity and reality that we all have for epicness? <clears throat> it's such a good question. I want to give a good answer. Um, again, it goes back to your fears. Mm. You, you, um, something is keeping you from believing that to be true about yourself. What is that? You, you've got to go back and face that. Um, what's the fear? What is the fear of admitting that that is true for you? Uh, those are important questions to wrestle with. Are you, are you afraid that if you step out and you try that um, you're going to be an embarrassment, you're going to be a disappointment? Well, where did that come from? Somebody told you that. That's somewhere back in your story. Uh, little boys and girls don't come into this world uh, fearing failure. They don't. Uh, look, at, look at the movies little boys and, and girls love. Look at all the Disney films. It's all about heroism. Frozen, right, and Finding Nemo and, you know, all that. Come on. Like, they get it. Kids get it. They get that life is a story. They get that it requires courage and they, they want to be in it. They want to live those roles. That's what they want to be about. Um, so I want to say there's something in your story that is keeping you from believing what Zig said about God doesn't make junk. Uh, see, see how we just loop back to identity, mm -hmm. right? There's, mm -hmm. there's something in there that's causing you to believe or to fear. No, that's just not true about me. Or if I try, if I step out, here's what I fear will happen. You have to face that. Yeah, yeah it feels – so I've got a bunch of kids, and I see this in them that uh, – and I think my kids are far uh, – I would, as, as arrogantly as it sounds, say that they – are more attuned to their story and their place and their worth and their value. Yet I have little ones who, just as you talk about, they, they're king of the universe. And there seems to be this, like we talk about the age of accountability. It feels like I, there must be at some point this age of minimization, minim, minimalization, where, where does that happen? Yeah. Okay. So let me, let me describe another concept that'll yeah. help us here. I want to talk about the power of agreements. Mm. Agreements are things in our life that really pin us down. And agreements go like this. Um, I could never do that. Or um, <clears throat> no one believes in me. Or uh, agreements like no one will ever love me. Um, a, something happened in your story. Somebody spoke something over your life and you made an agreement with it. And those agreements, those sentences become very, very defining. What I like to say is that most people are living out a script that somebody else wrote for them. Yeah. It's not the script that God has for you. It's not the script that was written on your heart when you came into this world. Uh, it's, a, it's a script that somebody else handed to you, and you have made agreements with it, right? And so like one of my deep agreements, going back to my story, alcoholic home um, and, and a lot of trauma there. Um, my agreement was, I'm on my own. I'm on my own. It's up to me. If anything good is ever going to happen, it's up to me. And that led to a very isolated life. Don't ever trust anyone. You know, it led to um, no close friendships, uh, even in years into my marriage, uh, uh, not an intimate marriage, not intimacy, uh, because I'm on my own, right? And I made deep, deep agreements with that. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing, like you can't make a film without other people. <laughs> like, you know, you, you can't do much in this life without other people. You can't have a podcast. You can't publish books. You can't do conferences. You know, you can't be a home builder, right? This, um, and so that I had to get past that agreement and that isolation in order to even make a film like this. Yeah. 
You know, I have to tell you, you have mentored me in that perspective uh, of having a, a band of brothers as an easy term um, that you've always surrounded yourself with. It was when I first moved to Colorado around 2008 and I got connected with Gary Taylor, um, who passed away a year or so ago. Uh, but he invited a bunch of guys over to his house and we watched your series. Is that what it was called? Was it Band of Brothers? Older yeah, video? Yeah, Band of Brothers. Yeah. And you, what impacted me in there was not only one that you had this tight Band of Brothers that you worked with, you lived life with, but it was a testimony to me. And I can't even tell you why it resonated at the time to where you also said, gosh, doing what I do, I of course get asked into lots of friendships, lots of relationships. And I've also learned that I have to say, no, I have my core band of brothers and that's who I am going to stick with. And that the aspect of saying no, that you protect it is what really resonated with me. It's always stuck with me, John. So that's just a, a testimony. Um, but I, I would give that to you guys as listeners. If you look at what John Eldridge has done, that is something that has been consistent throughout everything I've seen you do, John, whether it's your, uh, events, whether it's your, your movie, whether it's your teaching, it is always in close, close bonded relationships. Yeah. And that's a deliberate choice directly against my former script. Mm and directly against all those agreements. Like it's a, it is a intentional choice toward a healthier way of living. Uh, and the, and the film is better for it. Like you said, Dan Allender, uh, psychologist, author started the Seattle school of theology and psychology. Um, Dan's a formidable guy and he can be an intimidating guy, right? He's a super insightful guy. And so to invite him into my movie I've, I've got to be confident enough mm -hmm. to do that. Mm -hmm. uh, and it was, you know, we had a long-term friendship and, uh, and fly fishing for years together. And, and uh, it, you know, part of what we're trying to demonstrate in the film is that you, you can have meaningful conversations. You can have meaningful relationships. This doesn't have to stay on a surface level. It isn't all about the football game, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Like talk about your life, talk about your story. One of the, one of, the, one of the really most cool things you can do with another human being is to ask them, tell me your story. It'll blow them away. Nobody's ever asked them that. Tell me your story. As you're having coffee, as you're hanging out together, as you're on a, a run or a bike ride or whatever, tell me your story. And like, listen to the story of their life. It is a great gift to offer that to another human being. Well, I know there's nothing we like to do more than talk about ourselves for the most part, but that's uh, it's not a habit of most guys, at least. So uh, I, I hear you. Thank you. Well, speaking of Dan Allender, in the movie, he said that uh, we don't, and again, this is back on story. So folks, listen to say we don't remember cognitively as well as we do narratively. Uh, this is somewhat of an Achilles heel for me, John. I'm a, um, I like the cliff notes. I'm a bullet point type of guy. I tend to write that way and I, I have some success obviously in doing that, but I, I know we're in a world of step-by-step step, the five keys for whatever, and we voraciously devour them. I don't know though at the same rate that we are being changed. If we can take that, well, I would ask you taking those step-by-steps, uh, as I listened again to, to, or as I watched the movie and thought through story, I thought, I th is that why we're missing it? Is that why we are voraciously going through step-by-step step, the keys to whatever is because we don't have a relevant story to insert them into. Not that they aren't relevant, but if we don't know the story that we're in, how can we possibly plug them in? Exactly. Even the person who's telling you the step-by-steps will illustrate that by telling you a story. See, it's just fascinating. You get, get people together and, you, and, and you're catching up with one another. The first thing you'll do is say, hey, so what's been going on? Mm -hmm. Tell me the story. Like, and, and like story's big now. Uh, like it's huge. You food companies want to tell you their story, right? Coffee companies want to tell you their story. Beer, beer makers want to tell you their story. Anybody, Patagonia, right? I, I, everybody now, you get on their website and, and it's, Here's our story, the story of our maple syrup, 
Here's the story of Tom's shoes, right? Here's here's the story of our record label. Mm-hmm. Here, because nowadays people actually want to know the story, right? They don't want to just know what you're trying to sell them. They want to know who you are. They want to know what you're about. What are your values? What's your background? Who are you people? I think that's really healthy, by the way. I think that's really good. And so we're entering a climate now where story is becoming the language uh, by which we communicate to one another our values, uh, where we're coming from, what we're about, what our goals are. So even even in the, you know, I'm a, I, I want to know how to fix my toaster. I need to step by step, you know, even there, somebody's going to tell you a story. Uh, and the story is what stays in your memory. Well, and it feels like maybe for some people, even more so than others. Again, I am a pretty direct and, and bullet pointed type of guy, but yeah, I don't ever answer that question. So Kevin, what's been going on? All right. Well, bullet point one, and I don't give these concise, you know, I, I do that, but I tend to in the realm of just life as it goes on, I'll be drawn to, I, I have to consciously embrace, okay, so story, whether I'm doing marketing, whether I'm writing a show, whether I'm, I'm doing whatever it made me think what you just said something, um, in regards to products and services and brands that, yeah, one of the first things I'll go to, I'm sure I did this with you wild at heart. Okay. Go to the website. And who is this guy? Who's the backstory on writing this? Cause it's hard for me to take the book in and of itself and trust that I want to know about you. And so I'm sure I did that with you. And of course we know from an online aspect that one of the most clicked on buttons on any website is the about us. But I know, I know because I've been in business long enough and I violated it and I see other people too. We want to get to the point and say, this is what my product service is, what it does for you. This is, this is why you need it. And we don't go into the story. It just feels like a massive calling. Yeah, John, I've seen it too with these companies. It's guys like you who are bringing this out that I think is drawing our culture to talk about and lead with the story. So your movie a storyfilm.com again folks it's one night only selected theaters may 19th 2016 i looked in colorado springs found it in eight theaters uh, which is awesome but in this to delve into it some more your essence in it over and over is adventure to to experience uh, and then dissect story so dan ellender again he had so many good quotes in there he said it was a wild foolish and beautiful and bold thing. And that the trip was a time of self-discovery, danger, triumph, and joy for the men in regard to the skill, drama, danger, beauty, huge words. Uh, and then he says, adventure is taking on something you've never, ever done before, which I love because I had in my notes before I got down to there. Okay. Define adventure. How are you? Give us the context. Well, he said it. Adventure is taking on something you've never, ever done before. So John, our listeners are used to hearing me harp a good bit on our culture that seems so bent on safety, security, and comfort. That's the new responsibility of our era. And in this movie, as in your overall message that I've heard from the time that I first got introduced to you, you see, you call us, well, I'm going to list out from the movie, just from some of those quotes, be wild, foolish, beautiful, bold, and engage in skill, drama, danger, and that true adventure is doing something we've never done before. Before. So I'm going to ask you to bring this home. However, those big words, that uh, umbrella amidst the lives we're leading, what is your, what is a tangible call to action or how do we bring this adventure into our lives and craft a worthy story while we're also dealing, as you well know, but it's a question that's in so many people's heads, the reality of our day-to-day lives filled with work and the grind and paying bills and caring for the family and dealing with the check engine light on the car again and planning the family vacation. And yet we, we long for that, but I, I noticed so many, it just feels like I, I, just, I don't even know where to go. Where do I start? Yep. <clears throat> yep. So let me divide it into two, two actions. There's casual adventure and then there's epic casual adventure feeds the soul. Uh, what do you love to do? Like you got to get out and do it. Do you, is it, is it bike rides? Is it travel? Uh, wh- where do you f- where do you feed your soul with what I call casual adventure? I don't mean you don't have to break the bank to do it. You don't have to spend all your vacation. I'm just talking about the things that you do that bring you life. Is it skiing? Right? It, it, is it <laughs> kickboxing? Like where where is it? Like 
everybody needs this. Everybody has something that feeds their soul on a casual basis. But that's the stuff we let go first because we got to get back to email. We got to get back to the office. We, you know, and, and our soul begins to die. Um, and by the way, here's a quick indication. If you are fighting your addictions, you find yourself eating a little too much, drinking a little too much, vegging out a little too much online, too much TV. It's an indication your soul is craving for life. And you got to feed your soul again. Okay. So casual adventure feeds the soul. Simple stuff, guys. Water skiing. What is it? You always want to learn how to ride a horse. Go down to the, go down to the place that does that in your town and take six lessons. That's it. Just six. Like, don't make it a big deal. But then there's epic. And, and by epic adventure, I mean, what is your life about? What do you want the story of your life to be? When, when your story is over and people are talking about you, they're telling the story of your life, what do you want your story to be? Well, she played it really safe. She really, she really saved her money well. Like that is just not, that's just not a story worth living. Like, what do you want the story to be? Well, he was, he was really a nice guy. He was such a nice guy. It's not a big enough story. Like on the epic side of things, you want to give some serious thought to what do I want my story to be mm -hmm. when the story of my life is told, right? You want to be a Wilberforce? Like his life story was that he helped to abolish the slave trade in England. Now that's a story worth living. You want your story to be, you know, a Mother Teresa type story. Wow, they really served the poor. They really, they really reached out to the disenfranchised. I mean, what, what do you want your story to be? Well, so you mentioned those things when we find ourselves um, uh, with addiction. You mentioned the word addictions, and I th it was somewhere in the movie that you mentioned the word anesthetize, and I thought of medicating. Uh, and again, coming back to uh, addictions, I, I think, I mean, I assume that this is a primary outcome of, or is it? When we, this is, that's the opposite. If you're living a story, you're living a story. You're engaged and you are experiencing life. You are full of life. If you said, you said it in so many terms already on the other side, if we don't, can we, uh, it's almost, we, we can't escape story. So we're going to artificially manufacture it in some sense. Yep. Yep. You'll become a voyeur. You will find your story in other people's stories. You'll get addicted to Red Bull adrenaline videos. So you'll get lost in Downton Abbey or you'll, you'll find something, right? You'll become a voyeur of other people's stories. So here, here's the big idea, folks. The nature of the universe is a story. We live in a story. Look at it. Life doesn't come to you like a math problem. Life doesn't come to you like an IRS form. It comes like a story. Every day, there's a beginning and end. There's plot. There's characters. You are in the midst of a drama right now. And what we believe is that we were created by a storyteller. Now, the wild thing is, is not only were you made for story, but you get to write your story. You are co-creators. You are co-authors to author your story. And that, there's nothing more hopeful than the fact that your life can be different. You can change your story. I don't care what it is. You can change your story if you will take it seriously. Mm -hmm. And, and what's, what's beautiful about this, Kevin, is that, as you said, you can't escape it. Uh, if you don't find the story that's worth living, then you will become victim to addictions, fear, cynicism, resignation. I mean, Thoreau, right? 150 years ago, most men lead lives of quiet desperation. Mm -hmm. Why is that? Well, because they're trying to live safe. They're trying to live small stories. Stuck in really small stories describes the mass of humanity. Okay. So when we look at uh, it's the story that we are within, I, I hear you saying, I resonate with that we are we are born in and amongst a story. 
but I'm feeling like we sometimes got to get the cards on the table to understand some of the uh, where the story's gone wrong and we are born into it as well. So in this comes, I was watching the movie, John, and it took me back to wild at heart, which folks, if you have not read wild at heart, please go type it in and go buy it on Amazon or at ransomed heart, um, uh, at the website, please go do that. Do it for, for anyone. My wife got dramatic, uh, a value out of it just for herself. She also got it in regards to understanding me and in, in regards to understanding our kids, primarily our sons. Uh, it was a great confirmation and call it to me, please go get wild at heart. So in that, and of course, as, as it comes out in this movie as well, John, it got me to think we live in America land of the free. And this is a bit of a soapbox for me, land of the free home of the brave. Uh, you and I live in Colorado, you know, gateway to the West right here. And, and, and the wild West is what history calls it. We ventured in brave and bold and, and daring. We got pioneers and cowboys kicking butt and taking names. But in that same history of America, we have taming the West. And then we have, it just never occurred to me, the settlers. What a, what a crappy term is that? So we tamed the land and we settled it. Great. That's what I was born into. And now we just get irate that we lost the freaking remote and we have to actually walk to the TV to change the channel. So there isn't much challenge viscerally in our lives today, not much battle. And you use that word battle. And I know we can get into the, the concept of spiritual warfare and that there is intense battle going on today, but I got to admit there's, there was a benefit when I watched Lord of the Rings, you know, I wish it was that again, that word visceral that had a sword and there was an orc and there was blood and I got cut, but I, I don't. So to tap into this in our dramatically affluent, comfortable world, uh, it's, it's, it's a little despairing. I mean, that's just an admission. And I know it is for other, for other people out there when they want to enter into this battle, but it doesn't, it's so hard. It's so hard to grasp. All right. You want to know how epic your story is? Just look at the consequences. If you choose poorly. Gang, this will show you how epic it is. You can really screw up a marriage. You can really screw up your kids. You can do serious damage if you live poorly. You can wreck lives. Like if you want to see how epic your life actually is, right? Look at the consequences of choosing poorly. You know, the self-centered life, the, the fearful life, the narcissistic life, the angry life, the victimized life. You just look at the consequences. Play that out for 10 or 20 years and look at the damage it will do, not only to your life, but in every, everyone's life who you touch. Right. You'll see how epic it is by seeing how huge the consequences are. OK, that's incredibly um, that's incredibly convicting. I've never thought about it in that terms. I, OK, so take us on the other side of that. The epic consequences of fully living out God's glory in you. Take us there. Help us see that. <clears throat> this is one of the most thrilling ideas Frederick Buechner says that the place that God calls you is the place where the world's deep hunger and your deep gladness meet. Like the, the phenomenal idea is that the very thing you pound your fist on the table over, the things you are passionate about, what is it? Human trafficking. Is it economic justice? Right. Is it, you know, marriages that are thriving and full of life? Is it is it kids and education and their health? Like, what is it that gets you riled up? Here's the thing. Like, you are put here in this moment for a reason. Mm -hmm. And the things you are passionate about is that reason. And your actions. Now, your actions can actually change the course of the story. This is a fascinating thing. I've been watching this in commercials and, and appeals lately. Why does everybody, everybody who wants to make a, like a really meaningful commercial or meaningful marketing appeal says, you can change the world? Well, now that's fascinating because we're all agreeing that the world apparently needs changing. Mm. And isn't that interesting? Why is that? Right? Why do we all know we live in a broken world? Whatever your spiritual convictions are, we know we live in a broken world. And you're here 
to set your moment right. So what are you going to do with that? It reminds me, and I've talked to the Ziegler audience about this before, John, it was incredibly impacting to me about a year and a half ago. So I was a pro cyclist in a past life, but hadn't done a bike race in years. And uh, about a year ago, year and a half ago, did a off-road duathlon. So mountain bike and running all my kids, I think made, I had one off at college. that didn't make it. And they came to see it. The testimony that I got afterwards, I don't know if it was a surprise. It was just, um, I just drove home to me. They were so inspired by seeing me go after something and lay it on the line. And yet I think as a parent, I still inherently, I mean, if you told me that I would logically say, okay, I, I make sense. I can understand that. But I just didn't really tangibly grasp it. I think I'm supposed to, to inspire them. I got to, you know, be a good guy and I, I need to, to care for them well and, and love mom well. And, you know, these nice things. And when I go out and kick my ass and I, and I wrecked and I came across bloody, I did pretty well too. I mean, they were just, it just, it just, Build them. Yeah. I, and, I'm, and I'm kind of feeling guilty for taking them all out there to spend time on something. I'd, I'd have been fine to go by myself. You guys don't have to come out there. My little son, we did a, a running race later. My little six-year-old son might've been five at the time. And, and it was, uh, it was out at Ute, Ute Valley park, uh, which, you know, not, not too far from you. And, uh, we came up this long grind and hit the, uh, track up there. And of course you're going at a snail's pace by then. Cause it was the last bit of it. A little guy ran with me side by side, step by step. All he could put out is all I had for about half the, the thing. And I thought this is, that just reprograms my perspective of what inspires others, my family included. Yep. And, and it's, as you're saying, the constant, yep. if you epically step out. And, and I thank you for, for mentioning Frederick Beekner. true story last night. And I think we were talking about the movie and that I was going to be interviewing you today. Uh, but we had some question cards out on the table. And one of them was, if you could spend a year being mentored under somebody, who would it be? And the first thing that popped in my mind was Frederick Beekner. Um, Oh, that's fun. I, I just, the guy resonates with me, uh, to a dramatic right? sense, but Oh my gosh, John. I mean, that feels like you're, you're calling us to do that, that, that we don't understand our own epicness and what it will do to others. Okay. Carl Jung, one of the original psychologists said that the greatest psychological impact on a child is the unlived life of their parent. Wow. Isn't that fascinating? Yeah. And divorce researchers have shown that the reason why divorce is so devastating on kids is because the story ends. It is an abrupt ending of the story that was not meant to end. Wow. It's, and so, like, living your life well is not only impacting you, but it's impacting everyone around you. So... In the movie, again, it talks about most good stories start like this. You, I think you said this, John, um, ordinary people getting swept up into something extraordinary. And then also story isn't something you write. It's something that finds you. But again, coming back into the reality of, especially here in America, we're so affluent. We're so sheltered. Does it require us, behoove us in a degree to proactively have to go expose ourselves to opportunity and, and possibility of being, as you said, swept up or, or found. Cause I, I feel like there's a lot of folks out there that they, they don't, what are they going to get swept up into or found because they're, they're not exposed to anything. Is that valid? Yeah. That's why, uh, one of the ancient wisdom writers, Solomon said in the book of Proverbs, watch over your heart with everything you've got because it is the wellspring of life within you. If you will pay attention to the movements of your heart, the passions, the fears, it will guide you. God will speak to you through your heart. But if you kill your heart for functionality, for efficiency, for survival's sake, you will die. It, it's that simple. And so, I mean, can I, I know, I know like this is an affluent country and all that, but I, there's not one single person listening to this podcast who has the perfect life. None of them. And so where's your pain, gang? Start with your pain. Your pain's calling to you. Where's your pain? 
right? What's not working? Because I'll guarantee you, it's either asking you to take a good look at your own story, or it's inviting you to change the story. The, look at your pain. What's broken? What's not working? That, that will take you into a story. Believe you me. Goodness. It reminds me, I own the movie. I watch it every Christmas time. Family man with Nicholas cage. Right. Where, yeah. When that's the, uh, I don't know if he curses himself by saying me, I, I'm good. I don't need anything. And that's the impetus of the movie though. I think it's easy for us, maybe even more so as Christian men, because we're supposed to be grateful and have gratitude. I'm good. I've got, how could I ever want more? And yet those are the ones that end up sitting across the table from me, numb and depressed and addicted. And of course, you're one of the primary speakers to that group. Folks, again, go get his book. Uh, In the movie, you cite sociologist Neil Postman as saying the story our culture has been given is a story of accident, that the universe began by an accident and will probably end by an accident. For most people, the accidental life is not worth living. You don't want your life story to be an accident. Okay, so that just kind of stopped me. I pushed pause there. And uh, so the Ziegler audience right here, uh, you know, in the first uh, three or four weeks that this is going to go up, over 30,000 people will listen to this. Most of them are a faith-based group, uh, people who believe in a divine creator, which by proxy, I would think would, would make them, you know, we would assume that they understand they're living by divine purpose, not an accident. But, uh, I brought up the Billy Sunday quote, you know, going to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to a garage makes you an automobile. I mean, in that light, I don't know many Christians, John living with true and not to pick on them. I'm one of the flock, but, uh, many Christians living with true tangible, purpose, which feels like it leaves us on the precipice of a, of a crisis of faith and back to story. So hundreds of thousands are going to go see this film that you've just done. Some will feel called to embrace their story. Many will still not. I mean, they'll be inspired, but let it pass by from a, from a believer standpoint though, it doesn't seem that letting it pass by is, it's not an option. I mean, how can it be? And yet, you know, many people We'll see it as that, that do I pick that life or not? Do I pick story or do I just go on with the norm? Yeah. And if you choose safety and you choose self-preservation, then God will do something to knock on your door again. Something's going to blow up. Something's going to break. He'll bring the house of cards down, gang. Uh, Jesus was not kidding when he said, he who seeks to save his life will lose it. All that stuff we do to arrange for a nice little life, all that stuff we do to try and get things under our control, it, it falls apart. Like maybe you succeed in getting control and then you hate your life, mm-hmm. right? Maybe you marry for safety and you end up hating your marriage. Like it, it will bite you, gang. It will bite you. So I'm not worried about it, Kevin. Uh, some people will take the invitation, others won't. But, but for those who don't, that's not the end of the story for them either. God will keep knocking. Goodness. And I wrote down, and it was before, it was on your last point. You mentioned, I forgot to pull it out again. Uh, if you kill your heart for functionality and efficiency, that's... Um, Again, convicting as so much of what you're putting on here to, to me is just, it's hard. I don't see how you can bypass it. It's, it's too hard hitting. Um, the end of the movie, John, to jump to that, you say that the turning point of a good, and I've heard this from you before, but the turning point of a good story is the rescue, the hope that your story can turn out differently. And then you said a story is only as good as its ending and, uh, and then Dan Allender added on to that in some sense. It's, it's so obvious we are made for restoration. So, and you said in this before, we can change our story. We can change our story. It's only as good as the ending. We're made for restoration. And that statement, just like you said, as we all tend to agree with that the world needs changing, that things are broken, broken, that in this you're saying we are all broken. We're, we're, we're made for restoration. It's only as good as the ending but there's, again, it's, it's just such a big, it's such a big charge. If you were able to get on stage 
after every movie in every theater on May 19th, 2016 and have 20 minutes with folks for a last call to action, a last impeachment, what would it be? I would be very honest and say, if you like the story that you are living and I have nothing to offer, but if you find something broken, something wrong, if you find a restlessness, if there's a hunger in there, if there's an ache for things to be different, have I got news for you? <laughs> have I got news for you? Uh, we do live in a great story. We simply do. And there is a storyteller, and he's really great at restoring our stories if we will give him a chance. He's great at it. Uh, but he waits. Tozier said, A.W. Tozier said, God waits to be wanted. Hmm. He'll wait. He'll wait until the whole thing blows up. He'll wait until you're ready. He'll wait until you're miserable. But, but, but when you have ears to hear, mm-hmm. right, when the student is ready, <laughs> the teacher will come, right? Um, in fact, Jesus uh, stood up and said, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me. Uh, it's our thirst. It's our passion. It's our drive. It's our ache. It's our pain. You know, it's something will come to cause us to reach out for God and and for the to change our story. So, folks, it's a story worth living. It's a one night only showing across the country, May 19th. It's Thursday, 2016. Go to the website and you will find a, it asks you to choose a theater and, uh, or, or put in your zip code like I did. I found eight in my city here. You'll find some there. Go see it. Uh, now, John's overall website is ransomedheart.com. And of course, you can get all the information there. You can click through. You can see the trailer right there. So ransomedheart.com. If you don't remember, if you're on your mobile right now, you don't remember anything else, do that. Go look at his products. Go look at his books. Wild at Heart. I mean, he's got so many books. I have, I think, all of them, John. But uh, that one is still probably the one that resonated uh, with me or has stuck with me the most and actually gave me the context for the rest of your books as well. Thank you for doing what you do. Thank you for answering God's epic call on your life that benefits us. Thank you, Kevin. It's an honor, and I'm really honored to be on your on your podcast today too. Thanks everybody. Folks, thanks. Thanks for tuning into the Ziggler show and being here to inspire your true performance. 